got a Bible, we're going to read together uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're still in Timothy. Um, this is the fourth week, so we've, we've learned a few things about him, but we've still got a lot to go. So, um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 7. So it's halfway through something. It says this, Has, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wise tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding uh, promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set them an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given uh, you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because, you, because of it, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Timothy, we, we know what we've said every week. He was young. Uh, he was timid. He had a tendency to lean lean rather and lead, he was sickly. And Paul sends Timothy to one of the largest churches in the world at that time. He sent him to, to Ephesus to, to lead the church there that had a few issues. So uh, there's a few things that would, would be easy. Um, the where, the, uh, the who... And the, the why. Um, so, if, if Timothy, well, church would be a lot easier, generally, if there weren't people in it. <laughs> That's what I find. You know what I mean? I come here for the week, it's fabulous. You know what I mean? <laughs> so peaceful and quiet. Church for Timothy would be a lot easier if it wasn't in the town where they'd sent them to. Because they sent him to this place called Ephesus. I mean, it'd be a lot easier if it wasn't Ephesus. But it was. And it'd be a lot easier for Tim if it wasn't Tim and if it was some other guy. But that's what God, uh, God has asked him to do. And that's why he sends him. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, so let's ping it up. Ah, switched off. Let me try again. There we go. So why was the place, why was Ephesus an issue? Well, Ephesus had this massive temple. It was the, the center of worship for Artemis, who is the god in the picture there. Um, and people would come all over the world to that temple. The temple was incredible. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. There's very few pictures of it. It doesn't have, because 
What made it so grand is they put this, this pool in front of it. So you got a double vision of not only the temple, but it bouncing, its image bouncing off the pool. It was an incredible place. And in, in, in the Ephesians, well, they guarded this like, like no one's business. Remember when Paul went and, uh, and, and they, they, they were uproar and they sort of dragged, they never actually dragged Paul, they, they dragged someone else into the thing. And it says the people shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Over and over again for two hours, they were protected of this place. And Paul sends Timothy to that town to start a church. It wouldn't have been an easy thing. The second thing is, um, when you got there, there was um, heretics in the church. This, this one caught me by surprise. I went, what? Because it says uh, their teaching will spread like gangrene among them. Oh, have I really got to say it? It was Harry and a guy called Paul, Peter, <laughs> um, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place. I sat and went, it has. But what he means is the resurrection of the church that we'd all rise to meet him um, that, uh, has already taken place. And that will destroy the faith of some. So they're teaching things that aren't right. And so, you know, heretics in the church, you've got this, this big worship of, uh, um, of Artemis. But the, there's a third issue as well. That the people who are teaching this are the founding fathers of the church. And he's sending a young guy, timid, in to deal with the founders of the church is not an easy thing. It's quite a difficult thing. But I love some of the words that we be told uh, in the things. Have nothing to do with godless myths, old wise tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is some value, but godliness is value in all things. Holding promise to both the present life and the life to come. Train yourself to be godly. Has anyone, I don't know about you, I, I, I watch occasionally on YouTube some, some videos. There's this guy who's like, he wears baggy clothes and he looks really skinny. And he, he goes in and pretends that he's a cleaner in the gym. And then there's these big monsters of people. You know, you have big muscles everywhere. And they're lifting these incredible weights. And this skinny guy comes in pretending to be the cleaner. And he goes, eh, you don't mind if I... Uh, if I move the weights and the guys are like, yeah, go for it. And he picks it up like it's nothing and just moves it across. And, and, put, and the guys are like, how can you lift that when you have no training? But the thing is, he looks skinny, but he has done the training. He's, he's a, he's a world-renowned uh, powerlifter. And, and even though it, he looks skinny, actually underneath it's all, you can't lift weights unless you train. If I went to the gym, I'm not sure if I could move a little dumbbell. In fact, my son took me to the gym, and, uh, and he got me these, these things. He said, he said, these are quite light. Try these. I was like, oh, I can't hardly move my arms. <laughs> and then he used one three times the weight of me just to show how easy it was. If you're going to, you need to train. Anyone here play golf? Just me. Oh, there's a few of us. The first time you play golf... It's embarrassing. You want the ball to go that way. You tell the ball that way. You, you put it down and, and 
You swing at it a few times, trying desperately to hit it. And when you do hit it, it goes that way. It takes time. You need to train at it to get good. Anyone here play an instrument? Anyone had children who played instruments? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Die. A trumpet. What were you thinking? I mean, he's brilliant now, but how many years did you have where you were like, oh, please make him stop? (laughs) Or was he always naturally brilliant? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone had a violinist in the house? (sighs) But you've got to train, haven't you? It takes takes a little while, and that that screeching of cats turns into something beautiful. Um, But here Paul tells us, Train yourself to be godly. So the question is, how can you train yourself to be godly? And I want to look at five different areas. I got told off on Monday because we had 12 points last week. Okay, five. Should only take us an hour or so, so we'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) The first one is this, speech. Remember, he, gave us, uh, he told Timothy to set an example in five different areas. And the first one is speech. My friend started a, 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 a new church, a new Baptist church down south. And on the, the first day after preaching his first sermon and taking his kids and setting them in Sunday school, he's driving home with his son in the car when on the way home as he gets this roundabout someone cuts him up and he starts, he rolls the window down he beats his horn, flashes his lights shaking his hand out the window doing other signs out the window and it's it's like and then he notices his son next to him he's waving he's like don't wave he went no no that's my new Sunday school teacher (laughs) (laughs) How often does your words get you into trouble? How often do you say something and think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that? We, 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 I was in a church where there's a few of us who were ministers, and, uh, and um, one of the ministers said, said to a lady, she said, oh, you've not had your baby yet. And I was like, <laughs> and she looked at me and she went, I had it three weeks ago, thank you very much. <laughs> How often do you want to put those words back in your mouth? We have to watch what we say. We have to train ourselves what to say, how to speak. David wrote this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. In Ephesians, Paul writing to that church that we're talking about, he said this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit for those who listen. Our words matter. Our words can make someone or destroy them. We can lift someone up or we can smash them to the floor. Words really do matter. But what about your words? Do you have a a vulgar tongue, a lying tongue, a gossipy tongue, a slandering tongue, flattering tongue, a critical tongue. 
an angry tongue. We've got to be careful how we speak. So train yourself in speech. Next one is in conduct. I bought a new book on Friday. I got quite excited. I went to Oxfam. And in Oxfam, there was a little book called Jesus. I thought, ooh, and I've not seen that before. And it's, it was, it's not a new book. It's an old book, new for me. Uh, it was written not even last century, the century before that. And it, it's, a, it's a, a collectible book. So I got quite excited for, oh, I've not read it. And, I, and you know what's fascinating about it is the reason why it was written. And I grew up with this, and this is probably how, how church taught me. And it was written that um, it was like evidence to prove that Christianity is true. Evidence to prove that Christianity is true. And if you read that book, well, I disagreed with it, certainly in the first chapter about four things. Um, but if you read that book, it's, it's, the whole idea is to prove that Christianity is true. But that's not what people are asking today. People don't ask if Christianity is true. They might not say it, but that's not what they're asking. That's not the question. They don't sort of go, is it true or not? That's what mattered to me when I grew up. Is, it, is this true? Is this real? But what people are asking nowadays is, does this work? Does this work? And they're looking to you to see if it works. You know, you might be the only people that some people will see as Christians. And their whole life, it might just be you. God's answer to saving the world was you. Imagine that. He puts all that faith in us. And people are looking at us going, is Christianity true? Mm, let's have a look at them and how they live, how they walk. May our conduct just be an example to others. Maybe people see us and say, Jesus. You know, people don't really become Christians through the sermon. We might think that we're pretty good at this. But it's not true. Most people become Christians by when they meet someone and there's something different about them. And it gets them to ask questions and go, how come you're like that? How come you act like that? How come you have such faith? That's what twigs in people. The Bible tells us we've got to live and, and shine Shine like stars. Why? So people will look at us and see the God who's real living through us. See the transformation in us. The third thing is in love. There was a once a woman who went to a friend for advice. And she said this, she said, oh, she says, I hate him. Oh, he makes me so angry. I hate him, hate him, hate him. She says, I want a divorce. Well, our friend gave us some good advice. She says, what I want you to do, if you hate him that much, she says, let's hurt him really bad. She went, how? That sounds like a great plan. How am I going to do it? She goes, what I want you to do is I want you to be a lovely person. I want you to love him. And you know what I mean? Just listen to him, care for him. You know I mean, uh, compliment him every chance you get. Make him these best dishes. Love him in a way that he's not. And when he's so loved, that's when you announce you're going to divorce him. And she sat there and went, that's genius. Yes. 
So for a while, off she went, and this is what she did. Well, after six months, this woman who gave the advice went to her and said, how are you getting on? She went, she said, are you ready to divorce him? She said, divorce him? I love him. <laughs> love can be so effective. So effective. Love can change people. Jesus said, you'll be able to tell who my disciples are because of the way that you love one another. Love can make a difference. My mom and dad used to foster children. And I used to see these kids who'd never seen real love in a family, broken, and what it did to them. And with a little bit of love, you can see the change in people's lives. We are called to be a people of love, called to love each other deeply, to forgive quickly. May we be a people of love. I encourage you, if you're, if you're not, get part of a small group. Maybe in there you'll discover what it is to love one another. Faith. When I started dating Rachel, one of the things I had to suffer, I should say she's in the room, uh, one of the things I find quite difficult was we'd go and visit her grandparents. Her grandparents were ancient. I mean, so old. And uh, we'd go around and we used to play things like Happy Families. Remember that game? And I used to sit there going, they're nice, but it was like in the food. Everything was boiled, the meat, the veg. And I used to look at this old couple thinking, they had a faith. And when her grandmother died, we went to the funeral. And boy, was my eyes open. Because it talked about what they did when they retired. So when they retired, they had such a heart for kids that they moved to Bognor Regis and they would take kids from the streets of London and house them. When they retired, this is what they did. Not when they were fit and young, but through their life, they made a massive difference because of their faith. That place was jam-packed with people telling stories of how great these people were for their faith. (coughs) We need to be a people of faith. Sometimes that means we need to step out from our comfort zone. I love it when Michael goes halfway around the world. I can't wait to hear what you got to say. But you know, this isn't just for for the young. It's for all of us. God calls us to be a people of faith. And sometimes that means taking a risk, stepping out, sharing something that could be quite painful, maybe speaking to someone at work. I had a a friend who was in the youth group with me when I was a a kid. He was called Alistair. Alistair used to work at um, a moulding place. He used to make moulds that would turn into polystyrene that would protect, like, valuable goods. And uh, he, But the people who he worked with were awful to him. They used to bully him. I used to say to my youth leader, can I not just go up and 
have a wee word with him. He's like, no, 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 that's not how it works, Dave. And, um, but yeah, they made his life really hell. But every week, he'd pray for them in a youth group. Pray for them in church. And each time, even though they took the mickey out of his face, he would go in and tell them why he believed in God. A few years later, after I'd gone to Bible college and did a bit, I went back home and was in church and I, I found Alice and I went, oh, how are you doing? He went, good. And there he sat with his two his mates. And I was like, these guys know you went, these two I used to work with. But now they come to church and I found a faith in God. We call to be a people of faith. Take a risk. Trust in God. And the last thing is we call to be called to purity. I was listening to a song this morning. You want to hear it? I got it off. Tough to turn it up on my thing. And YouTube. You can sing along if you want, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. My friend, I thought we'd never All right, enough of that. <laughs> well, I wanted to play that was um, I went uh, to see, remember Steve Chalk? Yeah, Steve Chalk did this thing on, on sexuality that he took around the churches. And one of the things is he did this time warp thing where he took us all the way back to 1968. Uh, and he says, this is what church was like for, for a lot of our parents back then, 1968. This was the music they listened to. And as we all did, we all sang along with Mary Hopkins. Like, then he took it forward. And I think this was 1988, 1989. And then he played a video of Madonna's. And we all sat in that room, shocked between the difference of the two worlds. The world back in 1968 and the world now in 1988. You would be shocked from Madonna to today. You won't believe how much our young people go through. 1988, we were just starting to get videos coming out. Remember, with the music videos. Now it's all the way. Back in 1988, there was no internet as what it is today. Certainly not for people to interact. And nowadays, we all face a barrage of temptation that comes our way. I was speaking to someone about the devil the other week, and I, I can't remember what we were talking about. We were talking about horror films because it was the, it's the anniversary this year of the Exodus. It might have been you, Scott. Um, we, were talking to, we were talking about the anniversary of the Exodus and, um, and how awful that film was, you know what I mean, and how terrifying it was. And the conversation went, for me is, I don't think the devil 
is that obvious? He doesn't work like that. He's, he's clever, devious. And what, how I feel, the most dangerous thing that, that he's got is he puts things into society that get accepted as normal. That it's okay to sleep around. It's okay to have many partners. okay to watch this. It's okay to act this way. Because everyone does it. It makes it okay. Well, it doesn't. And we need to protect ourselves from what we see and how uh, we do things. We need to protect our lives I trained myself. This is how good I was. Remember the days when we used to have video stores? Yeah. I knew that the naughty videos were all in the top shelf. Okay? So I would never look there. I'd only go to a certain shelf. Well, we became a, a member in Blockbusters. That was the biggest one. And I, I went to Blockbusters, and, I, and, and they always guaranteed we'll have the film, the new film you want. I went there, I said, I'm looking for this film. He went, yeah, it's in, down there. And I went down, and I couldn't see it. I went back, it's not. He went, definitely is, it's down there. I went and looked again, it wasn't there, I came back. And now I was getting quite angry. I went, you said it's down there. It's not, come and show me. And he took me down. And he pointed to the top shelf, which I'd never looked at for years. Because <laughs> that's where the naughty ones are. Blockbusters never sold naughty videos. <laughs> so they put things on the top shelf. And so I went, oh yeah, there it is. I trained my eyes not to look and missed what I was looking for. But sometimes we do need to protect ourselves. Nowadays that may mean that you have to watch what you look at on the internet, what films comes on the TV. We need to protect ourselves, train ourselves in purity. I think for Timothy, it would have been difficult in that city for them. I, I get that. Ephesus was a hard place to be a Christian. There was temptations there. As you say, the temple of Artemis was, was there was a whole range of, of prostitutes as a way that you would go to worship her. That's the background that Timothy went into, a world of temptation. But we also have that world, and we need to learn to protect ourselves. So five areas. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's train ourselves to be Christians. This is self-sanctification, that, that word, being like Jesus Sanctification also happens from the Holy Spirit who makes us like Jesus. And we're going to be speaking in a few weeks talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And that's Holy Spirit sanctification. That's the Holy Spirit works these in our lives. But, uh, but we do need to, have to work at some things in our life to train ourselves in faith. So how fit are you? Anyone up for running a marathon? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you help us. Teach us to, to be uh, strong in these five areas. Help us to overcome temptation.
Help us become more like you, Jesus. And when we fail, help us to give us the strength to get back up and to try again. So bless us, we ask in your name. Amen.